0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Purple Noon, a podcast. I am Stephanie Conti, and I am here to present you all, not only Savannah Linelse, but Freak Week. It's finally (laughs) happening and as you can see for our little because we still have to get things done with our day and everything we're recording this in the morning um instead of dressing up in the full get up or anything like that we have we are adoring our little uh gremlins beret that i got us for halloween a little itchy a little tight but i will muster through hopefully you're not going through the same issue savannah i'm pretty comfortable pretty i think comfortable. it's the bangs that help gotcha Um, So, yeah, so today we're going to be talking about three different movies, two of them, which I saw alone, because they just are morally compromising (laughs) at, at the end of the day. And then the third one, so, spoiler alert, Solo was not able to be watched during this time. And that is not because I chickened out. Nay, it was not available for me. It was not available to buy. I don't know what you people are doing out there to make it go sell out on Amazon. It's always like the number one movie. They, I almost hit my calendar. Daddy <laughs> Bezos
1: can't keep that thing on the shelf. What are you guys doing?
0: Selling it's out It's always solo? the number
1: one film on the Criterion Group.
0: I think it's just because of the the shock factor of it, you know, or maybe just some- you know, some poor bastard is like, oh, someone told me to pick up this movie because it's really good. It is. And it's Solo. I haven't seen Solo and I could not watch it. And I did not want to go to the lengths to illegally download it. So yeah, that is why Solo is not on the table for today in terms of review. At least if I'm going to watch Solo, I'm going to watch a good quality version of it. And I'm going to make sure that I have the proper subtitle since it is an Italian film, I believe.
1: Maybe next year. next year. Maybe next year
0: for sure. Maybe,
1: maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe we'll Who knows? Throw it
0: away. Who we'll knows? Feeling. Uh, so before we get into the movies or any, uh, or just kind of talk about these movies, review them together, review them alone, whatever it may be. Um, Here's a major disclaimer. So these are not your typical run-of-the-mill horror movies. These are The disturb amongst the disturb so if you are uncomfortable like this is an overall trigger warning for pretty much everything so if you are not comfortable with certain elements that would normally dictate trigger warning then this video is not going to be for you i'm going to do my very best to keep cursing to a minimal but it is a little (laughs) bit hard with the context of everything that is going and medically things may get graphic (laughs) and that's thanks to the film Antichrist, which I will get more into it. So I'll try to keep the vulgarity on a little bit on a lesser side, but it's kind of not possible to get a little vulgar without talking about the movies presented today. So the two movies that I watched this weekend were in fact The Exorcist and not just the regular old Exorcist. Nay, I had a copy on hand of the uncut director's version. William freaking at a 10 out of 10, essentially. So I watched the uncut unrated version, which yes, there is a difference, as well as the movie Lars von Trier, our good old bud, um, The Antichrist from 2009. So I watched that. And then since Solo was no longer in the mix, I was like, oh, what's something that maybe is a little bit disturbing, but maybe something that Savannah can join along and review. And the one that we were able to compromise on was The Night Porter from 1974. So first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna talk about The Exorcist, The Antichrist, and then we will review The Night Porter together. Sound good? All right. All right. I have some questions on each film. So brief synopsis on The Exorcist real quick, came out in 73. And it was the movie of the year. It was the most memorable movie. And it's even the first horror movie to ever be nominated for an Academy Award. And it is directed by William Freakin. It is written by the author William Peter Blatty, Blatty, who also wrote the script for the movie as well. And it stars notably Ellen Bernstein, Linda Blair as Regan McNeil, Max von Sindau and Lee J Cobb are kind of like your four main powerhouse actors within this movie. So before I get started on anything, oh, and if you don't know, Exorcism, it's about a possession of uh, a 12 year old girl who happens to be the daughter of an actress. Um, So Savannah, before I begin, do you
1: have any questions for me about Exorcist? All right, so on a scale of one to 10, what is the disturbing level did you give it? Okay.
0: Since I have seen both the rated version and the unrated version, I will say unrated in terms of say, hard to watch is probably or hard sorry, to watch is probably, probably or I'm sorry, the rated version would probably be a six.
1: Okay. Ah. Whereas
0: the unrated version, I would have to bump it up to an eight because those really creepy, just morally wrong scenes are prolonged in. And a lot of the vulgarity in, like, and, and, you know, the fact that this is all surrounding a 12-year-old girl, it's just amped up. It's not like any major tremendous scenes are added in the uncut version or the unrated director's cut version, but it does, I would say it takes up to an eight. Not necessarily in the, the scary factor of this, but it's it really uncomfortable to watch at some scenes. And I would have to say it's actually more uncomfortable, in my opinion, than The Night Porter. Compared to the uncomfortability of this, I would say it's maybe not as much as Antichrist, but it's definitely oh God, okay. it's definitely more uncomfortable than the Night Porter.
1: Now, as someone who hasn't seen this, is there anything you can kind of compare it to, even if it's on a lesser grade? Is there anything like you think that we can compare? In
0: terms of like the creep factor of it, because I think what makes this like sort of the most creepy and the most unnerving is that this all surrounds a 12 year old girl. The only thing that I could think that compares it to would probably be um, Orphan, but Orphan does not go as far as this movie does. You know, Orphan is weird because it's kind of like you, it centers around a young looking girl and things happening to her, her doing these crazy things and stuff like that. And, It's unsettling and it's very hard. Maybe another one. I think some people have compared The Exorcist in terms of the uncomfortable factor. Like um, there's a movie called Fat Girl that's in the Criterion. Maybe that, but it really Exorcist stands out on its own. And I think that's why it has for so many years because not many people want to take the risk that what they did during the filming of this with- the the actress actually being 12 it's not like she was 18 she was actually right. 12 during recording so yeah it's um
1: it's it's pretty intense um any other like non spoilerly questions about exorcist one last question mm-hmm. they haven't made a movie from what i understand anywhere near the exorcist and this movie is 50 almost 50 years old yeah um do you think it's because they went a little too far or there are just ethical issues involving children because there have been exorcist movies but they all involve like adults so yeah and what i will say because like
0: linda blair from this movie went on to go do the exorcist too now what i will say about this is that i think the reason why it is so well known is not only because of that shock factor of the movie but it's well written it is Superbly written, you know. William Peter Blatty did a great job not only adapting it. And let's make one thing clear: I've also read the book. The book, and normally people are like, "Oh, the book is scarier," and I'm like, "Nah, it's not." Yes, the book is scarier because it even pushes the limits even more of oh. what's going on and involves more things, like in terms of the topics of like black masses and things like that. And one thing I'll get into is uh, how uh, one character in this how he varies from the book version of him. Interesting. But it, I think it does, it pushes the envelope, but it also does it extremely well. There's too many movies out there that I believe that can push the envelope, but don't do it well. And it, it ends up flopping, you know? So with this one, it's 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 just well done overall. It's a really great done like movie in terms of acting, dialogue, storytelling, you know? And that's the thing, too. Even those intense scenes that you're watching, it doesn't take away from how good the story is, which is really hard to do in horror
1: so they can't just duplicate that is that is that what you're saying like it's very hard to duplicate something like that
0: yeah because it's really hard to push the envelope so much but still make it pretty balanced amongst the story and also make it make sense
1: okay so for,
0: for this one um so now i'm gonna get into the spoilers of the exorcist so the way that this demon is summoned is that, well, first of all, if you're ever like, oh, well, the demon is named, why are you just referring to as the demon? Because I read The Exorcist, like I said, and towards the end of it, I had a spooky moment where in the middle of the night, I heard a pig screaming at me. And so when you look up, that demon in its mythology has a pig's larynx. So-
1: No, not today.
0: Even to the point where I'm not superstitious, and you know that, Savannah. Before watching the movie, I took the book out of the closet and I sat it down because I was like, yeah, I'm not- pissing anyone off today I don't need that so you know I've seen too many horror movies where it's all it's always like (gasps) those are you good yeah you just went by the microphone I went Jesus like I just you know there's too many movies out there where it's like you know white people going oh nothing's gonna happen here no I'm not gonna take that chance in real life and be you know the next based off a true paranormal story type of thing (laughs) I'm not gonna risk that so I will not name the demon just because that's my little caveat with it however the demon is from a mesopotamian culture and it's got like a pig's larynx it's got the face of a lion it's got wings and most notably what's shown is that it has a serpent foot <laughs> she's holding up her moments of peace with god but i'm <laughs> just kidding um, it. Uh, it, it also has what's notable and it's shown in the beginning and it it stands out, no pun intended, is that it has a serpent-like genitalia, if you will. So there's that. So already, you know, just trying to take that, looking at the the stone figure of it and trying to imagine it as like a real life thing is already creepy enough. So,
1: no. um, so the how, woman- is it, how is this, this person attracts this presence? Oh, Ouija board you know what let me tell you something deserved (laughs) it i know this is a little girl but when you start messing with things like that you're just like no this is fun and then and
0: she thought the 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 demon and you know everything she was like it's captain howdy and it's just like the thing is moving (laughs) on its own and the, the mother's just like well how'd you do that and it's like the 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 beginning is a little little dumb, you know, with how she actually gets, you know, this demon in her and things like that. But it's because of the Ouija board. And I think well, that's why mm, like our parents mm. generation don't play around with that type of stuff.
1: No, you don't mess around with demons. You don't yeah. that's pretty much saying, like, I'm here. Like invite come, come into my house. Yeah. No. Yeah,
0: I will say I have played with a Ouija board before I played with it when I was a kid. So maybe And then that's you're wondering
1: why. why are you hearing pig noises, Stephanie? It's
0: just something, you know, it was just no, it was me and an old childhood friend were trying to speak to Abe Lincoln while we were like 11. Don't know why her parents gave her a Ouija board, but whatever. I mean, you do you, I guess it's a silly fun game. I'm done. It's the, you can't win in that game. There's no winning. There's no winning in that game, but anyway, we're only yeah, so losing how, and it's only losing, but that is how she essentially summons this demon and they don't mm-hmm. explain how it goes into her or anything like that. It's just, you know, she's like, Oh, playing with Captain Howdy. And then boom, it's in her. Oh. So what another thing do? I think with, um, that might be different from the unrated version to the rated version is that the unrated version has a lot of her medical procedures shown. And that's where, for me, that's the worst part. Like, you could give me, like, ghosts in the face, you know, jump scares and stuff. And I'm like, ah,
1: okay, ha, ha,
0: ha, They show a spinal tap in here. And I almost fainted. And I'm just like, that's, that's to me the scariest stuff. Things that can occur in real life, that's scary to me.
1: They're hitting all the elements of horror.
0: Yeah. So you see, and also keep in mind, too, while this happened, like, right before, um, she ends up, like, you know, cursing out the the doctor and everything like that. She's like, you don't touch me. And like just screaming and stuff like that at the doctor and stuff. Really solid performance. Honestly, great child acting from um, Linda Blair who plays Reagan in this movie.
1: How did they do it? Because I assume she can't be present for a lot, like not present, but they can't show her doing certain things or even saying certain things. So, so I assume she's dumb. The rough
0: scenes are either a, a double or a dummy. And they do okay. close-ups of it which okay. doesn't help for the viewer no but, no, obviously it, it's... Not, but the girl i was worried about also her voice there was a big lawsuit because um an old hollywood actress actually like chain smoked and drank a ton before recording the lines for her when she's in the demon mode so this woman shot her voice for this movie and she was upset a when woman? she yeah yeah she was uh, you know chain smoking and drinking like whiskey and then would say her lines and she actually, I believe, sued the uh, Universal for not crediting her as a main character. Oh, that's, that's bad. I will say, though, that you never see her. She's only the voice of Reagan. So Reagan still does all the acting. Linda Blair still does all the acting. She just probably says it, and then they do a voiceover on top just to give the full, you know, demonic effect of it. Okay. So, yeah, so overall i really liked it it's really good um so some of the more notable scenes um and by the way um i'm pretty sure you can watch this on like amc like on demand if you have cable or something like that um but i i had the cable DVD. it's on cable yeah Well, that the rated version regard. the rated version is okay, probably well, okay was going to say
1: oh wow okay right.
0: no but um yeah so like i said i had the unrated dd i got it from like walmart for like 5 bucks a few years ago so that's why i had it um but yeah so Max von Sydow is really good, and what's really weird is like I remember watching this movie. Max von Sydow passed away a few years ago. I was like, wait a minute, he looked old as hell in this movie. What do you mean? How old was he? He was 44 in this movie, and they aged him to look 70. They pulled a Brando on him, and they made him look like 30 years older. That's fantastic. So I was not, and they did a great job. Like I was not because. How he looks here was how he looked later in his life up until he died. So they did a really good job predicting at how he was going to age. But yeah, he was only about 44 when um, he was in this and he does a great job. He's the one who's very famous for saying like the power of Christ compels yeah. you and stuff yeah. like that. So he does that. And then there's another actor in here um, named Jason Miller who plays uh, Father Karas and his character is super interesting. So right before he gets all into- you know, this dealing with the exorcism and stuff with Reagan and everything. He's going through his own issues where he's this priest who boxes. Can you do that? He's in the ring. He's treating like Rocky. Like it's so weird.
1: And I'm like, that's priest can have like, priest can do that. Can you imagine confessing your sins, your deepest, darkest sins to this man? And then you see him, him like punching it out. Oh, and by the way, And in the end of the film
0: he does deck reagan in the face he punches her he beats (laughs) the crap out of her at the end so it was really funny how maybe his excuse of being a boxer was just to be like so that way he could throw a punch at the end for reagan i think it might have been mentioned in the book i'm not too sure about that element but they really like they really focus on that and for him and stuff but all while he's boxing and everything like that he's um he loses his mother and mm-hmm. he ends up feeling a lot of guilt because in the end, his mother's like, you did this to me. You're like, cause she ends up going to an insane asylum and everything like that too in the end. So it's it's okay. a really heavy character. Now, what I say about that character, so that is his guilt, is his mother. So when he starts treating Reagan and everything and starts looking at her, Reagan as the demon starts imitating his mother's voice. And starts going like, why did you kill me? Why did you do this? You put me in there and stuff. So he's just going through it. He's trying to help this girl and stuff. And even to the point, it's really weird. He's still telling himself that what he's seeing does not qualify for an exorcism. Even though this girl starts, you know, like Like imitating his mother, you know, (laughs) starts speaking another language. And he's like, I don't know if there's enough evidence.
1: I don't know if the church is going to let me. Come on! What? What convinced him? I know the only scene I've 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 only seen a few scenes from the exorcist I've seen the throw up scene. Mm -hmm. I've also I wanted to ask before I move on. Oh, by the way, after being thrown up on, he
0: was still not convinced. After the (laughs) after that, he was still not convinced that an exorcism needed to occur.
1: I've seen the scary movie parody of it. Yeah, that's the only thing I've seen, and a lot of people tell me it's it's close. It's just like making fun, but it's close. Is that well, true? Essentially, yeah. So essentially what they did
0: to uh, Linda Blair was they they put a tube right next to her mouth, right? And so they would angle her like this. And then just- it, was, it was pea soup. It's mushy, thick pea soup. So that's yeah. what, and that thing just like, right, like a, like a water cannon just on like the face, like a super soaker on their face, on the priest's face, all over, you know? She probably throws up like four times in the movie, but with Father Carrass, what's different between the movie version of him and the book version of him is in the movie, he has guilt over his mother's death. In the book, he has guilt because he's gay. So they, yeah. So there are, and then there are some alluding to it because there is portions where when Reagan is yelling at him, she uses f slurs and things like that when addressing him i don't know if it was more for the shock factor of that or maybe just alluding to the fact that in the book that it's it's pretty much alluded that he's gay and that's his his guilt over it and everything
1: wow they, they weren't there that's i could see why and I could that out be out so, in the 70s and keep in mind it's
0: been a few years since i've read that book but i do remember there being a character where the, the gay being like guilt being gay and it could have been the other, it could have been Max von Sydow's character. Like I said, it's been a while, but I know one of those characters, I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be Father Carras, that he was actually supposed to be gay, but they thought that was going to be too much. So they ended up throwing in, you know, oh, guilt for my mother dying, you know? And it's also really weird because this dude also kind of looks like Al Pacino. So imagine just Al Pacino boxing
1: in o- a <laughs> priest's outfit and everything like that. It's very interesting. I like how like- a movie about like a little girl being possessed and her doing all these insane things but the gay priest
0: yeah it's too much ultimately the reason why reagan gets the exorcism is because the mother so a few days beforehand before the priest visits um ellen bernstein who plays chris mcneil um her friend is over and all of a sudden the friend's missing he was like oh no i left her with reagan blah 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 And next thing you know, this guy seems to have fallen out of the window of Reagan's place, but his neck is completely twisted. So after time, Chris, the mother ends up recognizing that it was her daughter that killed her friend. And so once she presents that with you know the to father karras and stuff that's when he realizes because he checks out the steps and everything and then there's also where lee j cobb comes in do you remember lee j cobb he was from on the waterfront he's the brother so lee okay. j cobb is in this movie he's also in 12 angry men and he plays the detective who actually also goes based on what he's seen and everything goes to father karras to say i think you need to do an exorcism." something he's like huh That's a little unorthodox here. The police and stuff. He's like, no, look, I'm just saying, I think you need to check out that house and everything. And it's also very interesting because Father Karras in this movie also has like, because I think it's also the weight of his mother and uh, dying and everything like that weighs more on him because it's mentioned that he actually has like a psychological background, that he studies psychology, which I was not expecting for a priest in the seventies to, you know, about that so i think that's why even more his mother's death harmed him because that was supposed to be a part of a field that he knew about but let's so everyone does a great job in this movie there are some lesser known characters here and there that do a great job um the scariest one of the scariest parts to me is the like they do the spinal tap they do radiation treatment on her so you see like these huge machines and it's really crazy how these machines like what looks like a CAT scan today looked like a nightmare back then. Like, it's just like, imagine like a, probably a 200 pound machine, just, you know, rapidly going over your body. So that <laughs> that creeped me out too. Um, but I will say the hardest to watch scene in here within the unrated version is, um, there's a scene where it's right before Father Karras comes into the picture and stuff. And that's when the mother realizes, oh yes, I have to bring in someone. And essentially, I'm going to say this the best I can, but this is a serious trigger warning. Um, it is when um, Reagan is found with a cross in her room, and she ends up masturbating with her <clears> to <throat> the point where she bleeds. But not only that, in the unrated version. So that's shown briefly in the rated version. I'm not sure, I can't remember how graphic it was. I know it is shown in the rated version. However, in the unrated version, it showed longer, which then afterward, Reagan grabs her mother's face. Oh, oh, mm. yep, and does Uh, that. so that is probably the most intense to watch scene in the movie and and keep in mind while she's doing that she's screaming profanity she's screaming obscene things to her mother you know even like implications of her having sex with her mother and just things like that like it's all really like intense it's so intense and it's the most intense part of the movie and that's where she sits on the bed and then the mother kind of goes in the corner and she's like like so, just stunned and everything, and that's when her daughter does the infamous three sixty head turn.
1: Oh wow! So
0: it, it's really overall, it might not be the scariest thing, but it is just so shocking to see. You know, I mean, not hearing about it is just like there.
1: Ooh, there's not a I lot. I can't imagine watching story.
0: it. It, okay. it it really is crazy. And then so they do like an exorcism twice. They do go in one round and then they take a break, and then in the second round she ends up. Um, killing Max von Sydow. So she ends up killing one of the priests and everything. And so one of the most intense scenes right before he dies is when they're going, the power of Christ compels you. And it's brilliantly filmed is where like all of a sudden her eyes go white and she starts levitating off her bed. And it's a really well done scene because she gets to the point where Max von Siddow is like six foot five or something like that. To the point where she's raised higher than him. So it's all, like, all the f- special effects and everything, like, here, I believe, still stand. Like, you can't see wires when they lift her up or anything like that. It- it's just done extremely well. Um, and then, ultimately, another scary portion is of the end when um, Father Karas sees that the other father has passed away. What he does is he ends up, like, grabbing Reagan, It pushes her to the floor and just starts decking her and decking her. And he realizes that the only way that this was going to end was that either he kill Reagan or somehow get Reagan to trans the demon to transport out of Reagan into something else. So during like close to almost killing Reagan, he goes, go it like go inside me. And so the demon, you see the demon go into the priest, and then the priest priest jumps out the same window and attempts to kill himself wow though and i do think like it was supposed to be that the priest was supposed to die and everything like that however he's brought back in like the third one i'm not gonna watch exorcist three
1: but um
0: (laughs) but in the first movie it's alluded that he dies because he like right outside her window is like you know like the joker scene where he's dancing on the stairs it's literally that it's just tons and tons of stairs so he just falls out you know and it's 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 really crazy
1: so, this movie is going to be 50 years old. Yeah. Do you think something like this should or could be remade? Because I also think the 70s were a time where, like, they were putting a lot of wild stuff in movies. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And the
0: like, 70s probably has some of the most controversial movies. I even think Solo came out in the 70s as well. So, even right. and Night Porter came out in the 70s yes. as well, too. So, it just seems. Um, I, I think there could potentially be down the road another era of, you know, hard to watch movies. And I think some of them are important. Like, I do think Exorcist is important because it showed the repercussions of what you what happens, even if you do things ethically, everything, the repercussions of using child actors. Linda Blair, who plays Reagan, had to have bodyguards on her for six months because she just kept after, after the release of the movie because yeah. all she received was death threats upon death threats for, mm-hmm. like, I don't know for how long, just for so many years, you know? And keep in mind, like I said, the child received death threats. Of course, the production did and everything like that. The director, I'm sure the writer and everything too. But the fact that also the child received death threats was really a big surprise. I don't think that anyone was expecting for her to receive death threats. She's just a child actor. So I think definitely in terms of The Exorcist, could it be, could something of this level be done? Yes. It just depends. You're not going to, you probably even in today's age with all politics and everything and how it is now, now you probably couldn't release an exorcist type of film without facing severe backlash for sure. So could it be done? Yeah, but there's, there's got to be backlash with it.
1: I, cause I don't think uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I I feel like we're still in the era where like we regressed a lot in terms of just like the seventies, I think were it. Yeah. And then the 80s, there was just full regression. The nineties, we kind of saw it again. And now- I mean,
0: film goes through a big pattern of like, you know, in terms of going like, oh, like, are we going to push the envelope, then going safe, push the envelope, then going safe. Like, I feel like the early 2000s had a lot of films that pushed the envelope, Eyes Wide Shut, Requiem for a Dream, things of that nature. And now we're probably going to go back into the phase of once again, pushing that envelope because everything else has kind of been smooth steady there haven't been too many hard to watch movies that have come out since the early 2000s in my opinion so i think we'll probably go through another era of hard to watch movies and just things that are more controversial um but it it, nothing even during if it's the right time or the wrong time you can't make a movie like this without facing some kind of backlash you know i'm sure the people who make malignant to some degree got some type of backlash as well
1: i what do you think about, because I think now we have a lot stricter laws and in general, like how we view child actors is very different from 50 years ago. So yeah, in my opinion, I don't even think we could use a kid anymore. I think we'd have to use a really young looking adult. Like that, it's just the safest way
0: to go because especially yeah. like also keep in mind the fact that they now had legal trouble with hiring, you know, the, the person to do the demon voiceover and things like that. I think overall for the most smoothest like production, you're going to have to hire someone that looks young um or yeah that looks the age that you're doing like kind of like what they did like 10 years later with um uh nightmare on elm street she looks very young in the movie you know but in reality she was like 21 so i think that easily you could do the same type of effect but you could hire an adult actor to do so okay Because I think it's not so much as like the filming of this causing the most issues for a child actor or actress, it's the repercussions of that, you know, like once they're out of that character and everything, there's a hundred people on set and everything to make sure everything's going smoothly, to make sure that they're being treated right and everything like that. Usually, you know, people stand up for things like that. Um, it's, mostly the repercussions that I think is the reason why maybe a child actor shouldn't do, if there was like a remake of The Exorcist, why a child actor shouldn't be considered. And it's just because of the backlash that they face after that movie, after they no longer have protection from the movie.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So yeah, so that was The Exorcist. Um, I probably, I would honestly give it an eight out of 10. It's really great. It's really like, in terms of the storyline too, like with the priest and everything with, um, and there are also some enjoyable caveats too with the mother being an actress and being this little socialite and everything, but still being a good mother. Like I, I liked seeing those bits too as well. Um, and I do recommend seeing the unrated uncut version. I think it's not a huge difference between the rated version, but if you really want to get the full effect that, that William Friedkin wanted, because also in the unrated director's cut version, the spider scene, which is what did not originally make it in the spider scene is in here do you know what the spider scene is I do not Reagan essentially crawls down like d- does a bridge okay. and walks down the stairs
1: I know what you're talking about yeah so,
0: that was cool to see too you know so I, I do recommend the unrated you know director's cut version It's it was definitely enjoyable um, now we move on to Antichrist so Antichrist oh, came out in 2009. It is about essentially this grieving couple that go back to a cabin where the mother used to write her thesis at and the husband is a therapist and they just try to overcome the like grieving and learning how to struggle with the loss of their son. So mm-hmm. it is none other written and directed by Lars von Trier and it stars two people, William Defoe and Charlotte Gainsbourg daddy DeFoe. within the first 10 minutes this movie's hard to watch and not just because oh there is and I would easily say first five minutes it's beautifully done don't get me wrong it's all these it's uh this movie from Lars was dedicated to um another director it was dedicated to the director of Solaris uh Tarkovsky yeah Andre Tarkovsky tar- yeah Tarkovsky yes. I think is how you pronounce it Um, So this was like his homage to him. So there's a ton of references. So all of it is visually appealing. In the first five minutes of the movie, Charlotte Gainsbourg and William Dafoe, who go by he and she, so I'm just going to refer to them as their their actors' names because they're not given names in this movie, um, are having passionate sex when all of a sudden their young little boy, while they're having sex, goes to a window and falls out of it okay (laughs) and that is how it starts so it automatically so i think it was in the middle of the night and everything and not only that but they showed glimpses of like the washer and dryer on too so that makes even more sense as to why they probably couldn't hear their child waking up on the baby monitor or anything like that
1: Mm. so
0: yeah this kid and it's this and like it's not super graphic well okay i take that back it's not super graphic in terms of the child's death but it is graphic where you just see porn mm-hmm. it, it's a pornographic scene it's a pornographic scene you you see both types of a uh, genitalia okay so so is this an unrated what is this yes yeah, so it's, it's not rated i think it's just it's just yeah it's not rated so th- there's that and Yeah, and I was even shocked at how much Charlotte Gainsbourg, because here's the thing, Charlotte Gainsbourg was a nymphomaniac. I have not seen nymphomaniac, but I was also surprised at how much she did nude in this movie. I was just surprised. I just wasn't expecting it because I had not seen an actress push the envelope that much, you know, so already it starts off whack. And the whole story is that he, the, you know, William Dafoe's character is a therapist So the way he grieves is by fixating on his wife's grieving because his wife's grieving is considered abnormal. And it's like, okay, how do you abnormally grieve? Ah, coping with sex. And so that is how she grieves. So there's moments where she's doing like self-harm, like hitting her head against the toilet. And then when her husband pulls her away, the only thing that stops her from doing that is her proclaiming that she wants to have sex with him so that's where so the sex in here is not i don't want to say enjoyable but it's definitely adds to the creepy factor of it because it's not there to be sexy it's there to show that there is a problem here like even the way that they have sex is very like you could tell that he's worried about her but he doesn't want you know his wife to harm herself by hitting her head on the toilet bowl which to the point where she bleeds and everything like that so even the sex scenes in here are very unnerving um and sex does play a big portion of the movie because well i'll continue i'll continue so what happens next is that uh william defoe goes what what's your fear right now and she goes eden Eden happens to be a place where she it's a cabin in the woods type area where she took her son like about a few months before to go isolate herself and to be um, to, to work on her thesis. And I believe her thesis was on um, uh, gynocide, which is like the genocide of women. So already we're getting into okay. an area I was not expecting when watching the movie. Um, One of the most notable things that happens in the beginning of the movie is that she says to Defoe, you never took interest in me until I was your patient. So that's already now kind of highlighting the issues we're about to go through. So they go to Eden and at first she's super terrified, right? And then over time she becomes very accepting of the area and it's just hard to figure out why. She is terrified of Eden and things like that, considering the apartment that they are at is where their son died. But it doesn't seem like she's having trouble there. She's having trouble with where she did her thesis alone with her son. Okay. A lot of things start happening. There's a lot of, like in the beginning of the film, there's a lot of ambiance. It looks gorgeous. You know, um, there are these very slow motion type portraits, very ethereal looking things, and it's all beautiful. It's all well, well done. Um, but, of course, it's large. So, you know it's it's going to be well done to a certain degree, um, and it's going to be very artistic, you know, So they get to the cabin, and that's when things start happening um to kind of start summarizing things that occur. And these I will mention because they play a role in the overall motif of it. They're not okay. huge scenes, but they play it overall. William Defoe finds a deer in the forest that has its giving birth to a stillborn deer and so you see the deer and like out of the deer is just hanging a dead deer so mm. there's already one symbolism there's already this second weird scene where william defoe i don't know what's up with him and animals but he sums upon a fox and this fox is disemboweling itself it's literally chewing its own stomach and its own intestines and everything but then the fox looks at william defoe and just goes chaos reigns this fox speaks <laughs> i don't get why you know they had a little fantastic mr fox moment but it was very no, very dark. <laughs> it was fantastic. very very dark um all throughout the movie you have you know motions where like they can't go to sleep because there's acorns constantly falling on the roof of the cabin and that and all of this stuff essentially to one degree or another is representing fertility so the acorns just constantly dropping. The tree that they are above is like totally fertile. And it's just going on about how, essentially what I believe overall this film alludes to is the fact that the reason why Eden is a hard place for her rather than the spot that her child died is because she was working on a thesis on genocide, which she never even finished. And that is because she ultimately ended up, after reviewing and everything, she agreed with genocide she agreed with it she convinces herself that women and nature mother nature are inherently evil and that and i think now here's a weird thing that is not explained and i have a theory about it so while she does her thesis there she does some experimentation on her son and one of the things that she does and it's very subtle but in all the photos of the son at eden his shoes are placed backwards. And ultimately when they do the autopsy of the son, they say that his feet were deformed because of it. So I think the reason why, and like I said, this is all speculation in terms of this section. I think the reason why she does that was because when she was reading women are inherently evil, I think she thought, well, if they are, then can I potentially hurt my own son and not feel anything towards it and she ends up doing so and she ends up keep doing so and she, essentially we could gather that she didn't feel any anything bad about it she didn't feel oh anything oh my god Or slowly deforming her son's feet so it's rough it, it it is rough no less just hearing all that stuff and then william defoe he's he's very He's a good character, but he's also condescending, very condescending. And that just fuels this. And I'm going to say this and I'm going to say it right now. Antichrist centers around misogyny. And I say that because there's a point where when she says like, oh, you know, with the with the genocide, you know, women are inherently evil. He says, you know, that's wrong. That is absolutely wrong. He ends up being the voice for feminism in this thing. However, not so much because his condescending behavior contributes and adds to her internalized misogyny and her outview of herself and just kind of helps further her solidify her thoughts so mm. it, he's no hero character by any means he has some good moments but ultimately the treatment for him is done out of his own ego rather than the actual wanting to help his wife
1: so that so, are the problem
0: are- I think everyone in here is the problem. Let's be honest, the fox, <laughs> the, the deer. The fox I, think is every- issue. I think everyone's a problem in this movie. Um, but yeah, so as they carry on, you know, they have, there's a lot of sex in the movie because that is just how she copes. And there's some other little things here and there, but essentially it gets to the point where after he sees the autopsy, he she he's like, I didn't know our son had deformed feet. Did you? And she was like, No, like I never knew. And then he's looking at photos of his son and then sees that in every photo, the shoes are reversed. So it was just that is how things start going about. Escalating. Okay. And I can't remember exactly how we get to the scene, but essentially she starts thinking that he's going to leave her or at least leave her there alone. So instead of talking about it, she ends up raping him, to where what? he he's like not willing and stuff. He's on the floor and everything. And after, and he's like, "No, I don't want to do this. I love you and things like that." She takes a wooden stump and <laughs> smashes his genitals. Oh with it. no! He sma- she smash She smashes. She smashes his genitals with the wood, and it doesn't stop there he then she then because he's passed out he's knocked out the most the most intense scene of this movie because it's so pornographic is essentially where while he's knocked out because that type of pain will knock you out she starts touching him until blood comes out of his urethra Mm -hmm. exactly so, like I said, I'm trying to say this as medically as possible. If you're from my pharmacy school, no, you're not. Just keep going <laughs> on with your life. Um, but yeah, so that occurs. And then while he's knocked out, she takes a drill and drills this weird little, I don't know if it was like a a, a stone grind or something like that. But she ends up put, drilling a weight through his leg so he can't run. It's literally like a barbell attached he's still to alive. his leg. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so after that, he wakes up in pain and he starts, you know, trying to crawl away and everything like that. And he ends up hiding in the foxhole. And then there's this weird scene with the crow. I didn't really understand the crow, but essentially he just finds buried in the sand in this foxhole a crow. And he's like, oh, hey, I found you. And then it's just ah, ah, revealing his location. So that wasn't very helpful. And then from there on, it, it's a little bit hazy, but they, they go into the house She, and then there's also, apparently there's also supposed to be a theme of like witchcraft in here, which I really don't see. I don't see the theme of witchcraft. Maybe it's inspired by, um, maybe in the end it is, but I really think that this whole film centers around a woman not being able to cope. Like a woman after the loss of her son and after feeling that grief, realizing that she is able to fail in her head What's the most basic thing a woman can do? So that's why she begins to have this hate for women and for mother nature. When in reality, I think she just hates herself. Mm-hmm. So okay. it carries on. Once again, another scene is very graphic. Once again, she tries having sex with him. She rolls over and then she starts so
1: she, she cut it off. What?
0: <laughs> no, that's a thing. She didn't even cut it off. She didn't even cut it off. It was just- malfunctioned um so then she ends up trying and then she rolls over and then this is the scene where it's another as a woman it's super hard to watch but essentially she mutilates herself with a scissor down there and the worst thing about it is that it's very realistic it is very very realistic looking so (laughs) she continues and dude william defoe still alive Defoe, <laughs> Defoe has been it's like literally raped twice. Had a wood like had a whole log dropped on his junk. He's been impaled by this weird weight thing in his ankle, and he's still alive. This dude's a trooper, okay? And ultimately after doing that to herself she's kind of feeling helpless and she's just writhing on the floor and stuff and and charlotte Gainsbourg is excellent because even while he's in the foxhole and everything you could see that she's gone mad she's like where are you like screaming and stuff but she's a, incredibly well done like a great she did a great job in this movie so did defoe so did defoe um and then the next thing that happens is essentially he kills her by strangulation and okay. just kind of realizing that there was I don't know if it's maybe his hate for him, hate for her finally comes out or, or to the point where maybe she thinks that at this point she deserves to die and she allows herself to die and she invites it. So, yeah, now this is where things get a little weird and I'm like, hmm, not too sure about this. So obviously he could have just called the cops and could have been like, yeah, (laughs) my, my, and he had a good case. He had a yeah, good he's case got of all. Smashed the body parts. Yeah. He had a good case. But no, he strangles her and then sets her on fire. So yeah, so there's that. And then as he's leaving Eden and stuff, he sees his little furry friends, like a little snow white story tale. And he sees the fox and the deer just looking at him. You know, three little buddies and the crow. We can't forget the crow. And then as he's walking away from this eden all of a sudden he sees a ton of women on the property and they're all fleeing with him now look that's the part where i don't get that's the part where i don't like and i don't know i don't know if maybe it because here's the thing it could represent that he was killing internalized masonry which in the end will set women free but I don't need William Dafoe to do that. You know what I mean? It definitely sounds like a Lars move, but. Yeah, yeah. It's like, ah, oh, you were so close. You were so close, so, so close. Um, but yeah, so that's another notable scene that is seen on the cover is when they're having um, sex in the forest and uh, there's like limbs and stuff all coming about from the tree. Um, I think once again, that was supposed to like represent fertility in a sense um that but nothing scary happens it's not like any dead bodies just go Ooh, or anything and reach out while they're doing it um there's a lot of symbolism in this uh between charlotte gainsburg and william defoe they're supposed to be like a different version of adam and eve and the reason why it's called antichrist is not because an antichrist is born oh i forgot one more thing but it's not because antichrist is born within this movie but antichrist means opposed to christ so i think it's because everything they do is unorthodox in this movie from him wanting to treat her when you're not supposed to treat family when you are a physician or a medical doctor or anything or a therapist or anything like that so then also how it's unorthodox how she's grieving truly unorthodox Um, so another thing too that is mentioned in the end after she mutilates herself And I think this is where finally the guilt seeps in and everything and she realizes that there's really no saving her and her ideology is they show once again that beginning scene of the sun falling out. Now what they show is that she watched the entire time he climbed up and jumped out the window. Oh, so it's her fault. Yeah. So I think it's also maybe she convinces herself like, oh, I'm evil because, you know like because she does the stuff to her son's feet and everything and then you know she then becomes selfish enough or just crazy enough to where she would rather continue having sex with her husband than to stop her child from falling out of a window so yeah really really intense it's just overall an intense movie i can't imagine watching this and having a kid And just watching this you know oh my god if you actually lost a child do not watch this movie if you actually have gone through that pain do not watch this movie that it's not it's not you're not gonna oh i feel so much better after watching this movie no it's only gonna make (laughs) you feel worse especially if you're even remotely close to a situation like that
1: okay question one to ten disturbing what is the disturbing factor here i can tell you right now i feel like it's an 11 because i after hearing that i'm like Um, you know,
0: it's definitely what I give the exorcist, like an eight, I would definitely give this like a nine out of 10. And the reason why I'm giving it a nine instead of a 10 out of 10 is because I'm leaving room for solo, (laughs) leaving room for solo in there, but it is really hard to watch it because I think also only 20 minutes out of the two hours of this film are hard to watch uh, 30 minutes 30 minutes I'd say 30 <laughs> minutes out of this film I just remember the beginning sequence so those are the things that are hard to watch about this movie um is it the hardest to watch Lars film that I've seen somehow in my opinion I think there's a little bit the unsettlingness of the house that Jack built lasts a lot longer it's also a longer movie too really yeah well and also oh shoot i also saw the unrated version of the house that jack built so i would actually say that that's a little bit more intense i antichrist is i think they would actually either be similar or maybe the the house that jack built would be a little bit more because i feel like the house that jack built there's a slight little more relatability with it not saying that oh we can relate to being killers or anything like that but i feel like like this movie's going to hurt you hard if you have a kid or if you've lost someone or lost someone that's like a, a, like a kid in your life. Whereas I feel like the house that Jack built, that will just affect anyone who watches it. You know, it's a I longer feel like duration the house of unsettling. That Jack us. built
1: though does have like as horrible as that movie is, it had little moments where you can actually like laugh. And I, I, I don't say that lightly, but there'd be moments where I'm just like, Oh, he's funny I feel like what you're describing is just like pure gore I think
0: the scenes you're talking maybe because the physicality bit I'm someone that gets more creeped out by mental things than physical things and this film is all physical and some mental considering the fact that she like was "Mm, well the thing is I'm only focusing on little segments but when you add it all up then probably yeah it would be Lars's most intense film then Cause I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, wait, it's fine. Like, it's just physical. But then I realized, oh, she was hurting her kid. And she mutilated herself. Like, that's not easy to forget. <laughs> um, overall, I'd, I'd have to give it, in terms of like, I would give it a 9 out of 10. I would give it a 9 out of 10 in terms of the the spookiness about it. In terms of an overall movie, I'd probably give it a 7 out of 10. Just because that ending, come on, Lars. Lars. It could have been a little bit stronger. I rather would have just been fine seeing the furry friends and have a little <laughs> Snow White ending than somehow William Dafoe liberating hundreds of women, women or something like that. You know. So, that's my thoughts on Antichrist. Oh Lord, that was a lot. And I will yeah, I don't say, know how I
1: think you watch it, it. I don't. I don't know how listening i was listening to things. it is a lot. Just keep
0: in mind, I've seen all these movies within a 70, 72 hour period. I think Can I'm I? just.
1: How I'll talk. Don't worry. That?
0: I have a therapist. Don't worry. I have a therapist, and I will be talking to them about this. Um, and then now for the last movie that uh, you and I bo- both saw, not together, but in our on our own accord, is called The Night Porter. So The Night Porter is from 1974. It's an Italian film by writer director Liliana Cavani and it is about a former concentration camp survivor 15 years later running across essentially the the SS officer that not tortured her but worked at that camp and who she ended up having this romantic this romantic affair with essentially while she was at the camp and she's already a married woman and the minute she sees this guy things start hitting the fans super quickly. Um, now it stars, the two main characters in this one are Dirk Bogard as Max and Charlotte Rampling as Lucia. And I just also wanted to say because I was a little bit surprised from it, even though this is an Italian movie, it's all spoken in English. There's no German, no Italian, no anything. It's all spoken in English.
1: So Savannah, what were your thoughts on it? Um, I thought it was going to be I, I think it had the right level of mental horror yeah. because I think the movie could have gone in like very different ways. I think it could have gone in like, oh, let's keep it light. Let's keep some of the scenes light or let's just draw this out and make it the most disturbing thing. I think there was a middle ground Yeah. because um, I think they could have gone either way. And I'm happy they went in the middle because I think it was just the right amount. When a topic like this, Mm -hmm. I really found the relationship very unique because it's like a, even 15 years later, you see it's still the captor and capti mentality. Yes. Um, And I was not
0: expecting a lot of psychological factor to take into this because essentially the root of this starts from child grooming where she was just a kid when she went into this camp. And also one thing too, that I watched an interview that the director talked about, and I want to know your thoughts on it, Savannah. So this character, uh, Lucia, she's not Jewish. She is not Jewish. She is not supposed to be Jewish. And so she was still put in a camp. And the director said that she didn't want to make that character Jewish because she didn't want to then have to start explaining why, you know, a Nazi officer again blah blah blah, and you know wh- what do you think of that? Do you think like she didn't want that to be part of the conversation when talked about this movie. She didn't want people to use anti-Semitic remarks in order to critique this movie essentially in order to say, well, then why would the Nazi officer get with the prisoner if she was Jewish and things like that. So what do you think about that? statement from Liliana Cavani do you think that was a good move on her part to do
1: I understand but at the same time that did happen Mm -hmm. if you if you listen to like Holocaust survivors a lot of them were raped and put in these abusive horrific uh sexual relationships so it was a real thing that happened so for me like when watching this I did assume she was Jewish because I I didn't know I guess like other people were put in camps. Maybe that's just my ignorance. But when you think of like concentration camps in the 40s, you think, okay, Jewish. Yeah. So I don't know how much that impacted the viewership because for me, like I would have just assumed she was Jewish. And also like history says that stuff did happen. So it's not like she's just kind of making it up on the fly. But I, yeah. I guess Whoa. I do understand the the reasoning as well but I don't know how much it really
0: affected. so apparently within those countries uh a lot because of the ideology and everything and remember it, a lot of it was all based on looks you know if even if you weren't Jewish you if you potentially looked Jewish and maybe your last name was a little bit I'll say neutral, ambiguous. ambiguous or neutral, then yeah, you you could have easily been subjected to being put in the camps and everything like that. And I believe because in this interview with uh, Cavani, now I don't want to take it full force uh, or full face value because you know she's not a historian, but she did say in her interview that she knew about, you, know, you had like 6 million Jews that were the victims of World War II, but she said about 3 million non-Jews were mm-hmm. also part of the victimization as well. Now, I think I do think it would have been I because part of me is a little bit I go both ways on this argument, because, yes, I would hate for this movie to come out in the 70s when still World War Two is fresh in the people's minds. And for them to go, well, I I think it would be so wrong for people to look at this movie and wonder, oh, yeah, well, why would he get with her if she's a Jew? So I think that would have been a soured conversation to have about the movie. So. They don't mention her last name. They don't mention anything. They just simply label her as a concentration camp survivor. And, but I also think it's a little bit damaging since majority of the people in reality were Jewish. Maybe it does take away from the history of the context for it. Yeah. So, and it does, this movie does a pretty, I'll say good job at teetering because it is a, it's a movie that, doesn't take place in World War II, but it has World War II as a theme about it. And yet overall, when you compare it, there's only very few, few scenes in this movie that kind of remind you, oh yeah, what you're dealing with all these Nazi characters, former Nazi characters. And that scene would be, and I thought it was a little bit weird, but I ended up liking it, was when the guy is dancing in the apartment and it switches to him dancing for a bunch of Nazis. There were so many dance scenes in this movie. I wasn't expecting that. I was not expecting it either. I also was not expecting him to be dancing in like borderline a thong, you know, during the entirety of it. It was a great dance. He did a great job. But I just, (laughs) but it was just very. That's also not something I would have expected Nazis to enjoy, you know, just considering that easily could have been considered back then in the ignorant times as gay
1: oh well you know the nazis were not really interested in morality so like that's true that's true went uh but i will say the movie is very interesting because i don't see a lot of movies that use nudity as a form of like horror Yes. I don't think the movie intended nudity to be like a sexual thing. I'm not a big fan of nudity in movies in general because I think a lot of the time they're either exploitive or they're just doing it for the sake of people being naked. But this movie really like when people were naked, when they were shown nude, it was to show like the horror and the the shame that mm-hmm. the scene was portraying. So I appreciated that because I don't think a lot of movies nowadays use nudity appropriately
0: yeah and and i just did a quick google search according to um something called the museum of tolerance that talks about like you know different culture genocides and things like that how many non-jewish civilians were murdered during world war ii uh the figure is approximated to be five million because they also targeted gypsies uh serbians polish immigrants resistance fighters, oh, right. as well as homosexuals, Jehovah's Witnesses, and people that they call the antisocial, which were essentially the homeless. Wow. So it was a huge, so I can understand now why that could also be, you know, because I feel like majority of, you know, World War II movies show, you know, Jewish characters and things like that. So I, I now reading that and knowing that there is some validity in that, I do think that the, the ambiguity of this, female prisoner works.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And I also like that they made her a child and that sounds messed up, but it makes sense psychologically how you have now this young girl who is scared, is lonely, now sees a older man who gives her shelter, who protects her. And even it said that out of all of his victims, he had no survivors except her. So in reality, if you really wanted to think about this darkly, he's also that Nazi officer technically is the also the only reason why she
1: survived the Holocaust
0: to begin no, with. No, and as I well. think
1: that's why the relationship happens later on, because I think when you're that young and you're just like, oh well, he could have killed me, not realizing like, no, like that. Mm -hmm. yeah and then also
0: too like he also protected her like there's one scene which i was not expecting uh... where he he talks about the biblical uh verse story of salome with like the beheading and how he beheaded not a other nazi member but he beheaded a holocaust camp member for making fun of her and i think it was because he was making fun of her relationship with this nazi soldier so it really, really interesting. And I was really surprised how well they got the psychology done behind this. Like I'm no psychology expert, but at least to me, when watching the story, it made sense. Yeah. You now had a full grown woman digress 15 years after seeing this man and becoming her his baby girl again, or little girl again. And how, mm-hmm. and one thing I will say This can easily be misinterpreted. Like I read Roger Ebert's review on it and he hated this movie. He gave this movie a one because he considered it to be Nazi chic. And I could see that being interpreted.
1: Yeah, I could see see that that being interpreted.
0: um, But I also, I wonder if maybe it's because even though it centers around World War II and everything, do you think this movie is considered to be a world war ii movie or do you think this movie is supposed to be considered like a psychological drama how do you think it's definitely
1: a psychological drama because we're dealing with the aftermath of like a trauma victim and Mm -hmm. then she's again decides to go and it's funny because she at some point goes i'm going on my free will but then we kind of like understand like this is more like a captive and captor situation Yeah, Where now she's, like you said, she's digressed 15 years. She sees him again. Oh, he saved my And she starts even
0: acting like a child again. All her things and the way she interacts, like especially from her husband to him, her whole persona changes. She starts acting like how she did when she was a kid in the camp. And it's really, and then also what I like too is that he doesn't have, in terms of their newfound relationship that reoccurs, he doesn't have all the power in the relationship. And that shows mostly- In the end, and there's a funny caveat about this. It's one of the first time there was actually a sex scene where a woman was on top and was actually guiding the sex scene. Wow. And because of that, Liliana Cavani, she spoke to a president of a a European country. I can't recall which one. And she goes, there's no like hardcore sex in it. Like, why are you not showing it? And the president simply said, it's because she goes on top and that was too- (laughs) deviant um but that also i think showcases too like how he also was mentally affected by this relationship not defending him in any case or sense or anything he's still scummy but it shows that he was equally mentally affected to the point where they both go into hiding and starve until they are malnourished which is so crazy to think that in the end They they literally recreate the same scenario that they were in the beginning. Maybe not for him, but at least her scenario in the beginning. Yeah. There's a lot of layers to this movie that I was not expecting. And even to the point where she is chained up into everything in this guy's home and his reasoning is, oh, it's because I don't want them to take you away. And then. Other Nazi officers from that time, and this is all because there's supposed to be a trial for him, and they don't want because if he gets, you know, if a victim speaks out against him, then most likely all of them are going down. So he then starts talking to, you know, the one of the other Nazi members comes to his house, sees her that's changed, and she's like, "Oh, it's because you you won't be able to take me away, or you won't kill me." He's like, "I don't need the like. You don't think I can break these chains? I'm not." the bad person yeah. here your partner is the bad person here and it's so crazy like this movie really is deep and i feel like this whole like oh the sex in in here and it's all sexy and the cover is very misalluding to the psycho the psychological thriller that it is
1: yeah like i said i think in terms of like the nudity the sexual scenes it really is for like the horror element it really is for the psychological this this movie is not meant to be like sensual or like it really is to show like these are two very messed up individuals she got messed up by him and he is still playing that manipulative role yeah and, and she, how she fell back feeds into, into it.
0: it she feeds yeah. into it and then also in a, in another way too like regresses him all of his things that he's learned after the war it's like even immediately like he's been straight laced he's like I just want to live like a little mouse in the walls and things like that from the minute that he sees her he ends up killing someone to protect his identity from her and everything like that so it regresses him to when he was you know and will still be of course but a ignorant Nazi soldier so it really is so interesting this movie and I like what Liliana Cavani did in terms of how this movie looks because this movie takes, so she shot on Ariflex cameras, which is a German company. And that's all the, that's all the types of film cameras that they used to film, that the Nazi party used to film their videos for. And then she also, instead of, you can see some like Italian neorealism, there's some slow moments and everything like that. Sorry, I hit the mic. Um, but one of the things that's most notable too, is that the coloring is very... Like it's, yeah. it looks like a German film rather than an Italian yes. film. And I think that was very impressive on her part to kind of just continue to remind you that, yes, World War II is a, a sub-theme for this movie. Now that ending shook me. I was not, I was not expecting the ending. I Because the gall and the balls that you have to do to just do that, and maybe it's because they were malnourished. Maybe it's because they were hallucinating to some degree. But to me, that ending is probably like the most terrifying portion of the entire movie.
1: I mean, I knew somebody had to, somebody had to die. I didn't think yeah. it would be her. I thought, I thought, I was hoping that she would get, you know, she ended up in this, some kind of mental place. But it makes sense because I, I think it shows that you can't, these characters aren't moving on from what yeah. happened. Yeah. and, and- later.
0: Even that they feel that ending just further shows that they commit to it, that they are making by dressing up. Because remember the way that they die is that they're both shot in the middle of the street. Yeah. She's wearing this baby girl attire that he gave to her while she was in the camps and he's wearing his Nazi uniform. And this is supposed to be in the fifties. So I can't imagine going out at 6am for my morning walk and (laughs) and seeing that, that. I And also the fact that I think the scariest element to that is that that is them signaling that they were fully committed with their identities, that she was proud to be his little girl and that he was, uh, you know, she was proud to be that and then he was proud to be this Nazi member. And that to me was probably the most unsettling portion of that ending was because just from their simple interaction, they were able to fully redo all of the healing that they had done from the war you know all of their healing and everything simply being able to be redone so that to me was the the scariest portion I think of the movie just because of how mentally committed they were to not just each other but to the war like in the big picture to the war in the end
1: Mm -hmm. there was no coming back from that so I think them being shot was a good move
0: yeah so overall, what are your thoughts on the Night Porter?
1: I really liked it. I think they had a lot of good use of, you know, sometimes what is more explicit content, but it's for a bigger picture. Psycho- like Psychologically, I think it made a lot of sense to add some of these themes um, and the more graphic stuff. Yeah. I think they are really unique characters. I'm surprised I don't see a lot of, you know, like character studies being done on them because it's really interesting um, I think it's probably because of the backlash that the movie got because like
0: I said, if you, if you if you didn't look at it as a psychology if you looked at it as a World War II movie, it does seem very Nazi chic as Roger Ebert Eber put it put it. But if you view it more as like a psychological thriller, then you could definitely see. And not to say that like, oh Roger Ebert's wrong, I just think it's going to be how you view this movie. you know
1: I think it's a lot more complicated than that and I think but I will say I think we all understand. Throughout the film, that he is the bad guy. Like, I don't think it's yeah. ever like we're ending the not. Like, I you understand that, like, key. and even the Nazis at some point say, like, you're messed up, dude. Oh. Like they say to him. <laughs> yeah. So um I give it an eight out of ten, mm-hmm. specifically because I don't. The movie is such hard subject, and it's hard to watch yeah. some of the things happen between them. I don't want to watch it again. I think I'm done. I think I'd watch it if I had to do it again. I would um the movie's over 50 years old I'd like to see something like this be remade truthfully the like only to see thing that comes like
0: close in terms of newer would be ally allies allied though the one with Marion Cotillard and Brad Pitt
1: yeah but it's but not as
0: not as good as this it's one. not as
1: complicated as this I'd like to see it maybe done again and go further in the complexity of the characters but I personally, I don't really want to watch this particular version again. That's fair. I, I think for
0: this one, in terms of like, so you give it an 8 out of 10 in terms of the how well you rate the movie, right? Yes. What about its unsettlingness or how, the creep factor of it? What do you give the creep factor?
1: Probably an 8.5 out of 10. Because I think psychologically it's very... It sticks with you a little. It makes you feel gross after the movie. Yeah. And I think some of the imagery in the film also just kind of sticks with you. I, I would definitely, in terms of the creep factor of it, I would I would give
0: it like a seven and a half out of ten because, well, first of all, I watched Antichrist and oh well, yeah, <laughs> and the, the
1: Exorcist. Ch- yeah, so. you're a little different. This
0: was slightly easier, but still, like the whole mental factor. And like I said, to me, that ending was extremely terrifying, knowing that my just realizing that these two people were so far gone in their own mental illnesses, essentially.
1: Yeah. Um, so I give
0: it a seven and a half overall as a movie, though girl, you know, I like movies about mentally ill couples. I love it. (laughs) I love mentally ill couples so much. It's my favorite. So I love Last Thing in Paris. It's why I love uh, The Woman Next Door. Like, I don't like romance films. Give me romantic Mentally- psychological horrors, thrillers, all of that stuff. There was so, this is even
1: more wasn't romantic. At least the woman next door had a bit of like romance. Oh, this so was all you, scary. Well, because this one you
0: have Dirk Beauregard, whereas the other one you at least had, you know, a young and fit uh the the what was his name? I always yes, want to say Jean DuJardin, but that's not him.
1: No, I, I know who you're talking about. Do something with a D Gerard de Pablo. Yes.
0: Yes. You know, you get that. You get that. You get the young version of him when he was yeah, good. Yeah, but at you least know? there
1: was some like romance when they would call each other and you're just like, oh, this movie was just straight up the whole time. You're like, can't do this. Yeah. This is a bad I relationship. Would, I, but this I would
0: actually the only thing I could probably compare it to in terms of the psychology of two people would be Last Hango in Paris. I think yeah. Last Hango in Paris is better in my opinion just because you know, <laughs> it's my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> but it's it's definitely it has that rapidness that I like where it's like two people look at each other it's like are we gonna do this or we're we gonna do this we're we gonna do this right so I like we that we haven't Last
1: no, Tango in Paris we have
0: not I haven't even shown my boyfriend Last Tango in Paris he hasn't seen, seen it he's seen the house that Jack built before Last Tango in Paris you know it's it's my it's my safety movie you know it's kind of like I'm like the only one who knows about it. It's my movie. But no, it it should be more talked about. Um, But I really like this movie. And I think honestly, I would probably give it like an 8.7 out of 10 overall as a movie, like good movie, just because it's done something, especially in terms of the World War II themes that other movies haven't done before, at least to my knowledge. So, Mm -hmm. And also the directing is fantastic. I love the way things look. It definitely feels more... I was very impressed with Liliana Cavani because it felt like a cross between a Federico Fellini film as well as a cross between a um, Fast Fender film in terms of the look of the movie. Like it, that's a good it, comparison. And mm-hmm. that's why I, I really enjoyed the way this movie looked, even with the way too long dance <laughs> sequence and everything. <laughs> Why did yeah. he just go in the room and he's like, okay, I'm just going to shine a light on you. We do this every Tuesday. What? <laughs> it was a weird schedule
1: too. I, I was like, every week?
0: But overall, um, this was fun. We'll have to see what other, if we will do a Freak Week like or some type of like three movie video like this. I know I still have to watch Solo at some point. Give me a few months to recover, please.
1: Yeah, same um, mental break. This was draining for me dude after <laughs> this, you know, this. within the next two days i have
0: to watch silence of the lambs too so now i'm like okay the just- silence of
1: the lambs is like it's better
0: okay okay i've it's actually adrenaline. I've, i know like can you hear the lambs cry Lord clarice and things like that but i haven't seen it yet um so it'll be my first time watching that um and yeah that'll be um actually no um that episode will come out before this one following this will be our like mafioso november where we talk God about Godfellas. like Godfella, godfella godfather goodfellas and things of that nature um and i think also the french connection too which is another william Freakin' movie so see how far the dudes is good gone. stuff coming up so yeah thank you so much for watching freak week it was fun putting i will say my mental expense for this you know <laughs> if i i just feel okay. <laughs> I feel fine, I guess.
1: You're a trooper. I, I think
0: so. I'm, I'm more impressed that I was able to go through all this stuff within a 72-hour period. So I do have that appreciation that's like, oh, okay. But and we overall, got to wear
1: our berets out of it. We so- did.
0: We finally oh. got to wear our little gremlin berets. Um, overall, for me, the scariest scene, spinal tap. I don't care. I don't up. care. I don't care. The spinal tap scene is by far the scariest thing because it can easily happen to you or I. Maybe they don't do that anymore. I don't know. I'm in pharmacy school, not medical school, eh, so I don't know. Um, yeah, not 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 the other mutilation stuff. No, no, no. That's like one in a mil. Like that's like one in one billion chance of happening, you know. But the spinal tap, having to get a CAT scan that's the thing that you really <laughs> expect
1: in that's life. real for you the medical stuff is real for you
0: well you know i've gone through so much like medical issues that i'm like oh. <laughs> you know <laughs> oh my god when they did the scene where in the exorcist where they like put the thing and all of a sudden ugh, ugh, there was a scene where blood starts just squirting out and i was <laughs> i looked at zach and i was like god he's like this is the part you can't watch this is the part so yes that's been freak week hope you guys enjoyed and. Yeah, next time you listen to us, we're going to be starting our little mafioso journey of cinema. So yeah, thank you guys so much for watching. As of course, always, thank you so much to Sensei David and Homeboy James. All our links to TikToks, Instagram, Patreon, things of that nature are all down below. And we will see you next time. Bye.